Sermon on the Mount and uh, going through this verse by verse. And uh, most of my series uh, are uh, shorter, but we're really taking the time most of this year to, to delve through. Um, last week we talked about anxiety and worry. This uh, last time I spoke, this time we're going to be uh, delving into the issue of judging and judging not. So I'm going to start by reading Matthew 7, verse 1 through 6. It goes like this. Ah, there we go. We have slides. All right. Uh, says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that little speck in your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly the speck from your brother's eyes. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So that's the text. We're going to go through it and look at it. Uh, to gain an understanding of this this lesson that Jesus is teaching. Notice, as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is following a, a very clear teaching pattern. He tells a lesson, and then he follows it with a couple of examples. For example, when he talked about don't be anxious, he followed it with the illustrations of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, and uh, that you can't add even one cubit to your to your life. And then when he was talking about don't lay up uh, treasures on earth, he followed it with illustrations uh, of the eye as a lamp of the body and serving two masters. And you can, you can listen to those messages. They're all online. You can listen to them for free. So Jesus has a pattern of making the statement, the point, and then following it. He's actually a good preacher. <laughs> Jesus was a good preacher. He had a point, followed with a few illustrations. <clears throat> And he continues that in today's lesson. He talks about judging not, that you be not judged, followed with uh, the illustration from the carpenter's shop, which is uh, the speck in the plank, and then an illustration involving dogs and swine. Alright? So verse 1 through 5, talking about judging not, are, are often misused today to excuse all types of behavior because they're not seen as being linked or part with uh, the whole passage, which includes verse 6. And we're going to explore how those, those work together. But first, we do need to understand what Jesus was saying in verses 1 through 5. So we're going to focus on that first and then bring in verse 6 and hopefully balance it all out in 25 minutes. <laughs> Let's see how I do. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged, and the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So that's the point. That's the main lesson that then is followed by illustrations that helps us understand this point. And the word judge, the word that he used, is uh, has the connotation of, of, of condemning, uh, coming across uh, uh, with a condemning attitude. And Jesus is referring to fault-finding, condemnatory attitude, which too often is combined with a blindness to your own failings. And clearly, this is something that Jesus is saying is, is not appropriate. So I don't know if it's too loud in here, or it says something sounds different. So maybe turn it down a little bit. Uh, in the Life Application uh, Bible, one of the resources I'm using 
for this, it, it commentates, uh, comments on this passage and says this, Do not judge is against the kind of hypocritical, judgmental attitude that tears others down in order to build oneself up. All right? Uh, it's not a blanket statement against all critical thinking, but a call to be discerning rather than negative. And so this idea about tearing others down in order to build oneself up, I would kind of add to that, it, it applies not only to yourself, but let's apply that also to maybe your group, all right, or your point of view. Tearing other people down just as a way to make your point of view, your party, if we can be so bold, even political party or political stance, or your, uh, your side of the argument um, stronger simply by tearing the other person down. You know, your argument doesn't get any stronger by tearing the other person down. Does that make sense? And so that's a clear... Uh, uh, basic understanding of what Jesus is saying, and it's a call not to have uh, practice critical thinking and, and, and understand what is right and wrong. Judgment in that sense is good, um, but rather a call to be discerning rather than negative. You know, sometimes you can agree with someone, but they're so negative, you walk away feeling like you were wronged. And so, you know what I'm talking about? And some people, you could read some people's posts on Facebook and you agree with what they're saying, but the way they say it, you can't like it. <laughs> you know, well, we don't want to be those kind of people. Alright? Uh, we want to come across, I don't think Jesus was that kind of a person. You can state your opinion, you can state your point of view in a way that's not uh, tearing others down. Um, so this truth is worked out on a natural level. In other words, it's kind of like how you treat others will affect how you you're treated. If you're judgmental, people will be judgmental of you. But I want to delve into a deeper understanding and what I feel is a, a more significant uh, understanding of, of this issue of judgments in people's lives and how they affect our lives. Uh, it, it can be worked out in a natural way, but there's also a very powerful spiritual dynamic that comes into place. And this is when personal judgments against someone or something often cause a spiritual reciprocal effect in your life. And a reciprocal effect is like a bounce-back effect. Uh, because you do something, uh, and the measure that you judge, in that measure, it'll be judged against you. So, And how you operate, it's going to bounce back in your life. And this is really... Uh, important in our personal lives, and this is where we see it affect uh, individuals most. And as a pastor, I actually believe, and I've come to understand both through personal experience and by pastoring people uh, through so many different life situations, that it's judgments in people's hearts that set people up for some of the most difficult issues that uh, people face in their life. And often, it's judgments that they're not even aware of. Okay, So it's understanding the spiritual idea of having a judgment against someone. It's the very thing that Jesus says, don't make judgments that we do unconsciously. And so, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, say you judge your mother as controlling. 
I don't know why I thought of that example. <coughs> Mothers aren't controlling, are they? Um, my mother wasn't controlling, actually. Why brush your teeth? Yeah, moms, are, that's their job, you know? <laughs> they, they have to tell you all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, why? They, the kids should be old enough to know this, right? You know, like every night you get to tell them to brush your teeth. I was like, guess what, guys? <laughs> you know? It's 9 o'clock, going on 9.30. What do you do every night? <laughs> Laser beam my son back there. <laughs> All right, and so <clears throat> sometimes, even though uh, mom's doing a, just doing her job, uh, a person in, in, your st- in that stage of life can, can feel that as being controlling. And then also, some people do end up, because we're uh, broken, failed individuals, we can lean into become over uh, controlling and uh, micromanaging, and so if you if you make a judgment in your heart against your mom, uh, and this is just using it as an example, that opens a door for control issues to bounce back, reciprocal effect, because you've judged someone for being controlling, even though you didn't think through the words in your heart, you hardened yourself. You know, uh, I remember as a kid, you know, I had to take out the trash. And I hated it when my dad would tell me to take out the trash. I didn't mind taking out the trash. I just hated it when he told me. <laughs> That's so immature. You know? I mean, why, if I didn't want him to tell me, I should have done it before he told me. Right? But I didn't. You know, I waited until he told me. And then I just, uh, always tell me what to do. <laughs> so it happened in my heart. Um, <clears throat> so this opens... The issue for control issues. What happens is, because of that's in your heart, uh, you may end up being controlling of your children. Say, when you get older and you have children, uh, that 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 spiritual dynamic can actually be reproduced in you unwittingly, unconsciously. You end up being extra controlling, or com- uh, or or saying even good things in a way that your children react because you're reaping what you've sown. All right, um, or maybe you don't have children. You are in a, a position of authority. You're a boss or a, a teacher. You can end up uh, living that out because you have made a judgment uh, against someone. So it's a spiritual dynamic. It's very, very real. I see it in people's lives every day. Um, or other mother figures or authority figures in your life because you've made this judgment, then uh, they can end up having control. You can you can find yourself always feeling like you've you, you're under other people's control, and often you'll go get into a counseling if you're if you're fortunate and you realize the significance of this, and you get a good counselor, and they'll say, "When did that start? Who was the first person in your life that you felt controlled you?" And they'll and you'll be thinking, and they'll say, "Well, actually, when I was a kid, my mom was always harping on me." Oh, that opened the door, and you pray through <clears throat> that. Uh, and uh, you can get free from that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's another example. If you judge your father for being, um, uh, because he promised you something and he wasn't able to fulfill it, you may judge all men then for being untrustworthy. You know? And sometimes even good fathers, they can't, they, they want to do more than they actually can. But then because we're weak, sometimes we, we actually fail. And, um, and maybe let our, our kids down. 
And so you may actually think, oh, men are untrustworthy. And this, this is regardless of whether you're male or female. You can, it can set up an issue in your heart where you see men as being this way or, or it can apply to women. And, and, and because you have that dynamic going on in your heart where you have, uh, you have a, 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 a predetermined attitude, um, what do they call that? Uh, a prejudice. <clears throat> There's another word for it. Because that's happening, yeah. Because that's happening in your heart, you actually can attract people in your life that are untrustworthy. Or because you're highly sensitive, you know, if there's any untrustworthiness, you really pick up on it. And it's not because these people are more untrustworthy necessarily. It's because you're hypersensitive to it, which then reinforces that judgment in your heart. Is that making sense? Alright, and so this is a very important issue that we have to learn how to overcome. Uh, and it's how we... Uh, are able to live what Jesus commands, a life of, of not being judgmental. So even if a person in your life, then a man in your life, is trustworthy, if you have this predisposition against men in general, and you've generalized it because of that hurt in your heart, uh, you can in, end up interpreting their behavior through your lens, to the judgment that you see. Uh, uh, you're actually seeing your fault... In them, all right. You're projecting your judgment against that actually root is rooted in something that happened maybe years ago, and you project it onto them, and then that reinforces that heart condition, and it traps you. It traps you, all right, and it limits your ability to have healthy relationships. Yeah, one of the things that if you if you uh, are, are, are filled with judgments, we are all filled with judgments actually, but it, it causes a victim mentality, and it's really you're the victim of your own judgments because these things keep happening, but they happen to you because you've you've set your heart against that. So every one of us have judgments within us. I mean, you just got to accept this, all right? Um, it's just a, it's a reality, and a lot of different judgments just come from how we're raised, our race, and how we are taught to interact with people of other race. Racism uh, is a negative example of of a judgment against a people group just based on their ethnicity, uh, economic uh, status. Uh, we have we have judgment based on people's different economic status, age, personality types. People have judgments. They, they don't like extroverts because they're always so loud. You know, uh, or they don't like introverts because they're always so quiet. <laughs> you know, uh, and you can go through the whole list. <clears throat> our impressions of others are colored by our, the judgments we've made toward people in our past and cultural influences. And you cannot dismiss. Please, please, <clears throat> don't think that you're exempt from cultural influences. Every one of you in this room, including myself, thank that so much a part of you is just you, and it actually is not you at all. It's the, the culture that you were born in. Even the way you think is, is dictated by so many elements that are beyond outside of your control. Right? For example, you all, most of you here grew up speaking English. And English teaches you how to, how to talk and, and, and putting words in a particular order. But if you grew up in another country... Uh, uh, like China <laughs> or Japan, which you know, we talk to the Sagers here that are, uh, grew up there. You know, but because their language is different, they actually put the words in different order. 
Or they have whole concepts that are in one word that we don't even have a word to describe that concept. So the way we think is controlled in one sense by our social upbringing. And so many other things about us that you think is just part of you, but it's not part, it, it is a part of you, but it's part of your natural self. And what I'm talking about is understanding the spiritual self. You are a physical person. You have a physical body, right? How many have a physical body here today? Some people not too sure. Okay. But you also have a spirit person. And judgments affect your spirit person. And so understanding how uh, that is uh, affected and how to overcome those cultural influences and overcome these judgments that we've made in our natural life and see how they affect our spirit. And our spirit person is supposed to, uh, is supposed to be above that. And Jesus, bring, if you come into a place of spiritual maturity, you can see, oh, I'm just reacting out of a cultural bias and not out of a reality. So another thing that causes judgments to be created in us is every time you suffer an offense, it creates a judgment. It's a natural defense mechanism. If somebody wrongs you, if I, if I say something <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, to, to Bill here, and he, whether it's real or perceived, if it comes across as offensive, so, so I can say something, and, and in my heart, I'm not meaning to insult him. But if he hears it and, it and it sounds like an insult, he's hurt. Okay? Or if I'm really being insulting and I criticize him in some way that's harsh, then he's hurt. And that hurt, uh, the natural defense is to make a judgment. Oh, that, you know, you, specifically, he is. Often happens, especially if it happens to um, you know several pastors, for example, say things that hurt them. I can't trust pastors because they, they're they're always hurting me. Wow, that's a judgment. Yeah. And then you walk into a church ten years later, and you're already I experience this all the time. <laughs> you you already hate the pastor. <laughs> I meet you and you already hate me. <laughs> you know, same thing with bosses. Same thing with teachers. Same thing with uh, uh, women. Same thing with men. It can happen to children. You can have this dynamic happen in all types of relationships. And so if you've had an offense, you have to realize that that triggers a judgment and the judgment has to be dealt with. Now listen, forgiveness breaks the power of judgment. Yeah! And we're able to forgive because God forgave us. The power of the blood of Jesus that uh, freed us from sin, we can apply to every offense. And from every, you know, He break, broke down the wall of division, racial divisions, gender divisions, economic divisions. It talks about this in the book of Galatians. That all divisions were broken down by, by His broken body and were united into one. <clears throat> and so forgiveness, act of forgiveness, breaks the power of judgment. But renouncing those things and renounce, everybody say renouncing. Renouncing. Alright, that's a very powerful word. We don't use it uh, very much outside of a Christian uh, terminology, but it's a very important um, dynamic, a very important act. And renouncing is confessing aloud, out loud, with your voice, um, <clears throat> forgiveness, and breaking agreement with those judgments. That brings freedom. Okay, forgiveness is a power to break judgment, but to, in order to walk in freedom, you need to renounce those things, and you need to say them out loud, even if you're by yourself. 
last night in Vandalia, I explained this all stuff, and I was talking to some of the younger people afterwards, and I was explaining to them that, you know, we can have many thoughts in our heads, but we're not held accountable to all those thoughts. But if you say something, you're accountable to your word. You have to keep your word. And if you don't keep your word, then you're untrustworthy, right? But, you know, you can have all kinds of thoughts, but there's a filter process between your thoughts and your words. And so there's a higher authority that comes with the spoken word than with just a thought. Another dynamic is, um, you know, God hears your thoughts. You can pray silently. He hears every one of those. But as far as we know from Scripture, demons cannot read your mind. They're really good. They, they know your history from the moment you're born. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're eternal beings. Not, not, not infinite beings, but uh, from the time they were created. Uh, we don't know when they were created. <clears throat> so they probably know your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents. They know how everybody in your uh, 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 circle reacts. And so they can read your body language really well. Right. So that's why demonic powers know you really well. But as far as we know, they can't read your mind. But when you say something out loud, it has authority in the spiritual realm. Okay? So confessing it aloud breaks the spiritual power. And the enemy can't use that against you. And so that's why it's so important to, to renounce, to confess, I forgive so-and-so for whatever they did, and uh, break agreement with the judgment. So listen, if you have personality conflicts, now I know nobody here has personality conflicts. You're exempt. But if you do, some of you do, just talk and say, this is, a, this is a, what I learned in church. You can actually be free from personality conflicts because that usually stems from a judgment in your heart. It's actually not the other person's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> Most people don't like hearing that, but it's good. If you want to be free then you should be happy to hear that. Because if it's your fault, you can actually do something about it. You know? And even if, even if half of it is their fault, you, can, you can't do anything about their, but you can do something about your half of it, and you can be at peace, uh, and as much as it's up to you, which Romans tells you to do. Okay, <clears throat> another uh, example is ongoing disappointment. So many people live a life with disappointment in their life. And it may not, maybe an ongoing disappointment in a specific relationship, or it can be just generalized ongoing disappointment with life. If those things or other things like that are happening in your life, assume, assume, everybody say assume. Assume, assume that there is a judgment in your heart that needs to be uncovered and renounced, um, along with forgiving whoever or whatever is at the root of that. So I'm going to share a judgment uh, as an example uh, in my own life. I'll try to make this a short story. When I was a kid, uh, I grew up out, way out in the country. There was only one um, a neighbor. Um, thankfully, uh, they had a kid my age. And my older brothers were all really close in age. I was uh, a few years younger, and so they didn't really play with me much. But I had this uh, neighborhood friend. <clears throat> so we were really, really close until um, I don't know how old we were, but he, he moved away. And I knew they were moving into the older house and were going to move. And, and my parents and my uh, siblings, now, from hindsight, uh, they were trying to help me through uh, dealing with the 
the situation because they knew it would be a hard situation for me. So they were kind of telling me reasons why it's not going to be that bad. And these people were poorer than us. They always had their, their yard was always filled with junk because the, the dad was a, a gearhead and so he was always working on cars. But he always had really cool cars. <laughs> and, uh, and so there were some, uh, some issues that, that, uh, that were not really necessarily good that they expressed. <clears throat> and I remember, uh, actually, God re- revealed this memory to me, but in the, in the way back then, in those in that time, I remember one interaction where I kind of felt like, like I had to choose uh, between my family being loyal to my family or being loyal to my friend, and that my sorrow about him leaving was actually I was I was it was a deception. It was I wasn't thinking straight, but I kind of had to side with one or the other. And of course, I sided with my family, and so I said something mean to my friends, something like, "I'm actually glad you're leaving," you know. And I and I knew it was mean at the time, uh, and I did that out of hurt. And <clears throat> what happened was, um, you know, he moved away, and, and life goes on. But something in me uh, felt like I wasn't a good friend. All right. And so this is, I'm sharing this example because this is something that I judged myself. And I didn't know I, I didn't know I did that for years, but I did that. And what the fruit of that was, I didn't think I could have close friendships. And so, and I came to a point where I realized I don't have close friendships. You know, and I didn't know why. But I could, I could feel that that fruit was in my life. I was actually in this room during a time of prayer. I was all by myself. God, years, it was 20, 25 years after the event, God brought that to my memory. I had totally forgotten. And I saw clearly what had happened. And that I had, I had made a judgment against myself that I'm not a good friend. And in doing so, I then isolated myself from allowing people to become too close. Alright? And in, in doing that, I was treating people at a distance. And, not, and so that judgment set up a dynamic. And so what I did was I, 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 uh, I asked forgiveness. I forgave myself. I forgave my siblings for the things they said. I forgave my parents. I didn't talk to them. Now, they don't know about it unless they listen to this podcast. You know? <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> uh, but it was all my issue. And I prayed through that and there was an instant change. Instant change. And now I realize if, if, if you're my friend, I'm probably the best friend you could ever have. I, I'm serious. I think so. And my wife agrees. <laughs> so it freed me of a lifelong thing. So, so then he gives us two illustrations. Oh, great. Uh, the first illustration Why do you listen to the speck of your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your, your eye? And look, a plank is in, in your eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. <clears throat> so, this exaggerated illustration is meant to convey ridiculousness of trying to get a speck out of somebody's eye <clears throat> when you have a plank. Hey, Bill, there's something there in your eye. You mind if I, I help get that out of you? <clears throat> All right? 
And he's in a plank, all right? Jesus was a carpenter. He knew it. I bet he picked up a, 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 a big piece of wood like this to illustrate his message. Who knows? <laughs> That's ridiculous. But he also says, let's look at this a little closer. He says, a brother's eye. And so in this is implied a closeness or familiarity of relationship. Uh, he's not addressing critical thinking or the ability to discern right and wrong behavior and societal issues. He's talking about how you relate with people that you have relationship with. Right? Uh, he's not talking about having a discussion about what is morally right and wrong and how that affects society. Right? So it's, it's okay to think through. It's not judgmental to have uh, biblical-based uh, opinions on societal issues. <clears throat> That's not being judgmental. But when you interact with an individual or a person up close, you have to be careful because your uh, plank uh, may get in the way. <clears throat> um, and it doesn't deny the fact that there's a speck in your brother's eye. All right? Um, France, the commentator I'm using, says it indicates that there is, in fact, a fault. The speck was a fault. It, uh, the hypocrite's error is not in his diagnosis, but in his failure to apply the, to himself the criticism he so meticulously applies to his brother. And this is one reason why when people have judgments, it's very hard for them to understand that they're in the wrong. Because what they're seeing is actually correct. It's good data. That person really does have a speck in their... They really do have a problem. Right? But your problem is bigger. They have a speck. You have a plank. And a plank is called judgment. Alright? But the speck's really... They really did that to me. I'm like, yes, I know. They really did that to you. And it really hurt. Yes, and it really hurt. You know? So, it's very difficult for that person. That's why they feel like a victim. Because they feel like by, by not responding judgmentally, it almost feels like they're um, saying that, that, that the, the fault isn't actually there. That's not what we're saying. If you feel minimalized. Or it feels like they're minima, minimizing uh, the, the offense. That's not what we're saying. We're saying don't be judgmental. Don't carry it in your heart. What Jesus is saying is that you need to deal with your issues before you're helpful, that you can be helpful uh, with others. Right? And there's another dynamic. From personal experience, a speck in my eye that I'm aware of feels like a plank. Have you ever had something stuck in your eye? Yes? yes. Does it feel like a speck or does it feel like, oh my goodness, man, what is this? You know, and you're just, you can't do anything. You just go to the sink, you're, you're trying to get it out. <coughs> so if you're aware of the speck, it feels like a plank. So if you have a plank in your eye, chances are you're not aware of it. And that's the problem with blind spots, is that you don't see them. Okay, Judgments against others and personal falls, they often fall in our blind spots. We're not aware. But they show up by affecting our relationships with others. Alright? And so if you have a plank in your eye, uh, you're not aware of that. If you were aware that you had this big thing stuck in your eye, you wouldn't be worried about Bill's plank, right? But the fact that you're unaware of it, right? And you see planks in other people's eyes, 
So you're walking around going, hey, over there, you know you got a problem? Let me, let me help you with that, Tom. Bam! Bam, 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 bam! Bam! <clears throat> you're walking around with this big plank that you don't even know. Just, I'm just trying to help people. <laughs> bam! Bam, 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 bam! I don't know why everybody stays away from me. <clears throat> you know, people in this church are not very friendly. <clears throat> bam! Bam, bam! <laughs> That's literally what's happening in the Spirit. So we don't see it. Okay? <laughs> and that's why God's called us to live in community. So you can, if you're not part of a, a, a relational community, there's people, you can walk around. That's why a lot of people don't join churches. Because they just walk around. Bam! 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 They visit a church, knock a bunch of people up the side of the head, <clears throat> and go to the next church. Knock a bunch of people up the side of the head, <clears throat> and don't know why all those people don't, don't receive them. But if you're in a community, sooner or later, someone's going to set you down and say, guess what? <laughs> You have a plank. <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah. I know you think, don't think. You're going to go, no, I don't. <laughs> and no, you got a plank. <laughs> and in that community, our faults, both the pl- specks and the planks, can be revealed. And you can find healing. All right? <clears throat> and Jesus says, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So the purpose is actually to help that speck get removed. And the plank. Alright? There's actual purpose in this. Now, I've got to get to illustration two, and I'm going to go over a little bit, but it's really important because this gives balance. Second illustration that most people don't tie into this teaching, we, we kind of get the first part, um, is don't give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before the swine. Least they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Well, what in the world is Jesus talking about? It seems like it doesn't fit. Like, it just, boom, comes out of nowhere. But it's one and the same message. He was talking about this, and that's another illustration, talking about this issue of judging and living in kingdom. Remember, this whole sermon is about building kingdom community. All right? Kingdom community and the kingdom of God and what it looks like. So if we, if we see it as part of Jesus' teaching pattern and we, we read it, <coughs> Understanding that it's part of the same message and it it helps us understand what he was going at. Jesus is not violating his own command by, about not judging others by calling some people dogs and swine. He was talking about dog, he was talking about people groups. When he said, don't, uh, cast what is holy to dogs or your pearls to swine. He was talking in relational terms. He was talking about interacting with others. He wasn't talking about how to deal with animals. Okay? Uh, and he wasn't being judgmental terms. Even though they sound judgmental, don't they? Right? What about when uh, uh, Jesus was exposing the wrongdoings in the lives of the Pharisees and he called them hypocrites? When Jesus called a hypocrite hypocrite, was he being judgmental? Jesus wasn't violating his own command. Alright? Right? <clears throat> so Jesus is the perfect example of mercy and truth. And so when he was doing that, he wasn't being judgmental. He was speaking truth. 
we see Jesus providing the balance to living uh, non-critical, that we can actually speak the truth in love. Um, so here's the question to understand this, this last verse in this section, is what is Jesus referring to as holy? Don't cast what is holy to the dogs or your pearls to the swine. What is that? In the context of what he was just talking about, what does that mean? What is he talking? What is holy? What is, what is, what is meant by pearls? And I hope this message makes you think. I hope you go home and go, I wonder if what Cameron interpreted it is, is right. And you go study the scripture yourself and find out. I think it's referring to the community, that relationship, okay? The brotherhood, the interpersonal relationship, the, the kingdom community that this whole sermon has been, that he's been talking about this whole time. That's what he's talking about. That's what's holy. That's what's valuable. Alright? It's a community where both our specks and our planks are exposed and in healthy, helpful ways, repentance and forgiveness and healing can occur uh, and we can find freedom. And the opposite happens when there isn't community. And Jesus is telling us that this will not work in a pack of dogs or in a pigsty. What won't work? You won't be able to take a speck out of somebody's eye and you're not going to be able to deal with other people's planks or your own planks if you're living like a pack of dogs. Right? If the community that you're in is like a dog pack where the alpha dog is in control and anybody gets out of line, he tears them down. Or if you're living in a pigsty where there are no rules and it's just slob. Right? A moral uh, uh, slobbing. Uh, Jesus was not, neither am I being judgmental and describing certain lifestyles in such a way, just as he wasn't when he called the hypocrites, uh, Pharisees hypocrites. Uh, rather, <clears throat> truth, can com- truth can come out of a judgmentalism or it can come out of love. And we're commanded to speak the truth in love. In a, in a pack of dogs, in a pigsty, you better be careful because whether you try to remove a speck or remove a plank, they're likely to trample whatever you do under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Alright? So this is why people that are not in the kingdom use or not living, even if they're a Christian, but they're not living kingdom lifestyle, will misuse this idea of don't judge as a way to say every form of lifestyle is acceptable. And just fill in the blank. You know, whether it's a uh, legalizing uh, uh, drugs, legalizing prostitution, legalizing homosexual behavior, legalizing uh, uh, unethical business practices, you fill in the blank. You can't be judgmental. Well, that's not quite what Jesus was talking about. Right? He was talking about in a community, uh, 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 there needs to be healthy accountability. And you need to be able to... Uh, remove your brother's specs, but you need to be able to get your planks out of your eyes first. So don't engage in a pack of dogs. Alright? If there was a pack of dogs, a wild pack of dogs, and you went in there, and you went, unless you were that dog whisperer guy, if you went in there <coughs> and tried to say, hey, you need to behave, they're going to rip your arm, they're going to bite you, right? Or if you're in a, uh, a pigsty, you fall into a pigsty, you can get killed. If there's a bunch of pigs at 300, I was talking to the pig farmers down in Vandalia, they can get up to 1,700 pounds a pig. They just roll over and you're dead. <coughs> okay? 
Um, so instead of engaging in that and trying to force our our moral perspective onto uh, a group that we don't have relationship with, we need to build relationship. Um, that's how we can. That's how we can help them is by building a holy community. You can read another example of it. I'm going to end now. Second uh, Peter chapter two also uses that illustration of a dog and pigs. And the closing point is that Jesus commands us don't judge, but rather to live in a spiritual community where both our specks and our planks can be uh, removed. But he warns us that the world, we're living in, in a world where there are packs of dogs and there are pigsties uh, and there are hypocrites. And we're called to be lights, to, to beckon them out of that type of a community and into a community where there's kingdom love. All right. Welcome, Bill. He's got some announcements.